Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going today? It's going okay today. How are you? Well, I'm okay, but I feel like, you know, R.I.P. Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. right? So so I'm I'm okay with, you know, like, I'm not thrown the way I was when we lost, uh, as a culture, we lost Bowie and Prince. Um, I think because uh, in, in, the, in the back of my mind, I, like, was a, I had the sense that she was in failing health for, like, a while. So this mm-hmm. didn't feel, you know, like, whereas as Bowie had hid his illness. Um, so maybe it was just the, I didn't feel surprised by, you know, the news a few few days ago that she was very ill and that she was likely to pass soon. Um, but still, obviously, it's, for me, it's been a very celebratory kind of thing just and like we were talking before we recorded about some of her different amazing performances and i mean every I mean, she's aretha she, like there's not that many one name <laughs> right uh, greats and she's definitely definitely one of them so we will be in lieu of music from this week's tv we will be uh featuring an aretha performance from the 2015 kennedy center honors um because she said that when she was 75 noel like, it, it my, hurts my brain, and it fills my soul. But, like, <laughs> voices don't sound like that at 75. Like, they don't sound like that at 60 for most people, but certainly not at 75. She sounded like that's like maybe the best she's ever sounded on, on You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. And she's 75. And that's just like, like, okay, so you know how much we love Over the Garden Wall. Yes. One of the big things we love about, or at least that I love about Over the Garden Wall, is the, the voice casting of Samuel Raimi, you know, as as the villain of the piece. And he sings yes. a song, and it's lovely, but it's nothing near, like, what he could sing when he was younger, because he is o- he's older, you know? He was an, an older gentleman when he was doing this, uh, doing Over the Garden Wall. Um, and that's just a reality of aging and it still sounds great. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like you'd say, this is one of Samuel Raimi's best performances. Um, but for this Aretha one, you absolutely would. So I'm just gonna just, you know, I've been watching different clips. Um, I've been seeing people post different things, uh, like the Blues Brothers and okay, yeah, 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 some of her other performances. But uh, the thing that just that was I remember watching that like when it first made the rounds in 2015 the on YouTube and stuff because I missed the actual performance um, live and just like being flabbergasted. What a beautiful, wonderful statement of I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And even if she's gone, she's still here with us through her work. So. Aretha. Okay, do you have any thoughts on Aretha Franklin? Not too terribly many. Like, her music's always been really great. Her singing voice has always been really phenomenal. I know these are really facile comments, but they're also really accurate. Yeah, Yeah. they're really accurate. And your point about how she sounded the Kennedy Center Honors is also really accurate. Um, In that... I mean, voices don't age that way, which just speaks to A, how well she keep, took care of herself, but B, also, she's probably a celestial of some kind. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
And yeah. that's that explains it for me is that she was not of this world mm-hmm. and she just went back to where she belonged. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I said 75. Sorry. She was 73. The point remains. Yeah. Because um, it was three years ago. But um, yeah. Yeah. Just always, always, always one of the greats. And uh, we will enjoy listening to some of her music uh, this week. We will also enjoy talking about lots of TV. Um, TV news, there was some other stuff, but we'll keep it brief here. Uh, Castle Rock got picked up for season two, and the more interesting thing for me was that apparently it's going to be an anthology show, so each season will be kind of its own thing. Wouldn't be surprised to see some recurring faces or to see some interconnections of like ideas or people, but... Or Idris Elba shows up as Roland the Gunslinger, you know, things like that. Ugh. Yeah. Can we... Oh, man. It's so, it would be so easy to get distracted by um, the Idris Bond stuff. You know, just... But um, anyway, sorry. The... Yeah, I, I saw some She's people... She's distracted, everyone. I did it. Yeah. No, I saw some people talking about some, some Dark Tower connections with, like, this week's episode, and... Um, mm-hmm. I'm fam- I'm unfamiliar with Dark Tower, uh, but I was just like, oh, I mean, that seems like really generic stuff. All the things you guys are saying is a, I did I just didn't pick up on the fact that it was a like a shout out to Dark Tower because it just seems like really straightforward convergences of different planes and times like thing. So uh, maybe our listeners can tell me uh, or give me a point towards a better resource for picking up on all the same King things because uh, like the the Easter eggs and such because. Uh, I still have been missing those and feeling like uh, I would, I maybe would like the show more if I had that level of connection. I will say, uh, spoiler alert, everyone, the episode next week is real good. Yeah, the episode next week is like, you see, watch the episode and you're like, oh, this is why Sissy Spacek signed on. Okay. Yay. <laughs> so it's real good. Um, but oh, that's for next week. Um, this week, we're going to be spotlighting the season two finale and just the whole season of Claws. We'll have lots of thoughts on that, I am sure. Um, that, so that's going to be at the end of the show. But for now, I just want to listen to Aretha. I want to stop talking and I want to listen to Aretha. So well, let's take a break. And listen to, let's listen to You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, and we'll be back with our week in TV. Again, Aretha. We love you. We love you, Aretha. Um, This week in TV, I'm going to talk about the premiere of Insecure, Better Like. 
And then we'll talk wrecked puke and cigars and DuckTales, the last crash of the Sun Chaser. Uh, then we'll move over to reality with Making It, Party Time, and Elementary had two episodes this week. So we'll talk about how to get ahead and Uncanny Valley of the Dolls. I'm enjoying their puntacular uh, yeah. titles this season. Uh, then we'll move over and we'll round things up with Winona Earp, No Cure for Crazy. So first up is Insecure. And I thought it was a really strong season premiere. Uh, of course, the first season was great. Second season was even better uh, in a lot of ways. And the third season here really focuses in on Issa and Molly. I like that they're starting to really bill it as a like a duo as opposed to being about Issa like with Molly. I think that's right. a good call, a good adjustment for just how great that dynamic works on the show and how central it has become to the show. I really like the... Um, like what we're seeing for Issa already in this first episode, the stuff with her and Dan Daniel is uh, nice and like dysfunctional. <laughs> like just just communicate, people just communicate, but they're both having trouble with that. Uh, but I think in very relatable ways. I liked the stuff we were getting with Molly and Dro and the setting of the boundaries. I thought was good. Uh, they still have not. <laughs> You know, we talked about uh, Bull Type last week being a show that really was the first show I saw do well with uh, ethical non-monogamy. And I still think, like, it's, I guess it's good that that Insecure is trying its hand at that, but I still don't feel like they're doing any justice to it. Um, and it, that might just be the lens that we're seeing it through with Molly, because she's not the least judgmental or most open and communicative, maybe. Mm -hmm. But, um, but uh, you know, if they're going to continue that thread this season, I really hope that they uh, treat it with a bit more care and consideration and uh, that then maybe what we got last season. So we'll wait and see about that. There's some, some little adjustments at Issa's job that I think set up some really great material for for the rest of the season, which I assume they're going to be going to based on how they structured this first episode. And um, yeah, I, it was it, the the pivot to the boss being more of the problematic white liberal lady, mm -hmm. uh, I think yeah. is is smart and a good idea and a good discussion to have. And even down to like the costuming for, is it Rita, her friend? Um, I, I have the name wrong, I think, but um, like the, the that big sweater, I was just like, oh, I see what y'all are doing, and, and I, I love it. So, uh, yeah, it continues to be a really terrific show. Very confident, really uh, terrific performances in, in writing and direction as well. So, more on that as the season develops. Uh, but let's move over to Wrecked, Puke and Cigars, which we were going to just not talk about because, you know, I don't know how much new we had to say about this episode compared to last episode. You know, things are starting to get kicked into gear by the end of the second episode. But um, the one thing we did want to mention is how great um, this episode handles the creepy rich dude uh, who who is their savior or, you know, their most dangerous game guy. <laughs> um, and so having two of the three female characters just spend the whole episode trying to figure out exactly what kind of creepy... Declan is, uh, and then be very, very spot on, but also be very obnoxious about how and why they are so spot on. I thought it was just balanced so incredibly well. It was super entertaining. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I still appreciate like the return to the terrible CGI Emma's head. Emma, I remember that you were on this show. Uh, it's nice that the show does too. Uh, what did you think of Puke and Cigars? I like the episode as well. I thought that by having Florence and Jess 
recognize that Declan slash Dicklin um, <laughs> is obviously just super scummy and like hitting all the red flags and everyone else just kind of going, eh, don't really see it was really, really good. And it allowed for a lot of really funny moments. Cause I mean, it's one thing for like sort of a genre savvy sort of approach to go, wait, rich white guy with a gorilla that he has no qualm shooting on his private Island and he has no Wi-Fi or email or anything. That seems suspicious. This is like a really rote, rote, rote thing to do. So by having it channeled in this way of like, this is a guy who would slowly touch the small of your back as he was trying to move past you, even though there's plenty of room, <laughs> is a good way to recontextualize a lot of that genre savviness into standard life skills that women develop mm-hmm. as a result of how society functions. So I really appreciated how that got played in. And also, I think the timing of it just worked really well because I don't... Did you see that video of the woman, in the waitress in Savannah who basically oh, yeah. slammed it? So good. <laughs> yeah. And exactly what they're talking about is just like, hey, in just a casual butt touch. Yeah. And she's just like slams him into the chair and yells at him and then gets him arrested for sexual assault or mm-hmm. uh, some sort of like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was just like the timing of both of the, this episode and then that happening, I thought it was just really lovely. But I think that the other reason why Puke and Cigars works really well is the capper of the fact that, again, Florence and Jess have been doing the, doing this for the entire episode. But then suddenly, Pack and Todd are just like, you know what? This guy seems like bad news. And then Owen and Danny are just like, you know what? They're right. He is bad news. And it's, just, <laughs> it's very good. And I really appreciated that that was the runner through the episode. And they provided a really good cap mm-hmm. to that runner. Um, so I'm eager to see them venture into Most Dangerous Games slash Hunger Games, whatever territory. Um, with this, um, but where do you think Chet is? I just, I would not expect, uh, be surprised to see him, uh, pop up in sort of like a Kurtz kind of way, just oh, becoming one with the jungle. Sense. Oh, that's such a good, oh, that's totally what's going to happen. You've called it. Well, we'll see. I don't know. My, my radar has been off, man. Like yeah. I, like I was totally wrong about Supergirl and the way that that was going. Like I've had a n- number of like very confident predictions that have gone nowhere near Ooh. what i thought uh so we'll see well, but- the, the upside with this is like this is in the can so they can't listen to this and change it which is obviously what they were doing at supergirl right Clearly, yeah no it's super what they were doing they're listeners <laughs> uh but yeah no that that was a good and, and i totally didn't notice that he wasn't there either. i didn't either i forgot i totally forgot chet was well they even said well, wait where's chet and i was like wait who's chet i don't even I, and i had to go like oh wait that's right yeah yeah because yeah. Yeah. i didn't even so they yeah. they did that very well, like because they, yeah. there's so much going on, you don't yeah. notice when and how. And he he's not part of like up. the main crew either. Is the yeah. thing that really helps that as well. Yeah. Um, and it was also fun just watching this episode and go, right, this is what I know Ali Mackey from. That's why she looked really familiar in Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. No, it's, it was a it was a it was a fun episode. Um, yeah. okay, next is Ducktales: Last Crash of the Sun Chaser, and uh, this really felt like a season finale. It was very mm-hmm. season finale, and I thought it was terrific. The they balanced the suspense and the drama and the emotional stakes of what was happening beautifully. There was a good, there was an appropriate level of peril. I thought that that worked and that made sense. And and the voice performances really sold. Okay. Dewey, yeah, Dewey's blue, blue one, right? Yeah, 
yeah, do his do uh, actions through it. Yeah. And and having this be like in and, and the pairing with um the this pirate sky pirates thing being you know I, I felt that 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 really worked with what we'd seen before because that was just such a silly one-off right but it also just speaks to him feeling ignored and and so when you put that with this these it, it all kind of came together in a nice way i didn't anticipate and I, th- I thought that some of those other struggles we've seen from dewey to feel heard and to um to reach out and then feeling pushed away right has has built to me buying him just reaching out into total obvious near death on the plane um out of desperation for for answers and on um, there's this pain that he hasn't put words to until now um but yeah i thought it was really well done it was and your point about how they sort of built up dewey's character over the past like very few weeks um, I was just like, this is a lot of attention we're paying to Dewey when we haven't been paying really any attention to Dewey. And whether that's been by design or due to Ben Schwartz's availability, he's the actor who voices Dewey. Um, I don't know the answer to that. But the combo of having all of these sort of Dewey-centered, Dewey-driven sort of A-plots uh, throughout has really helped drive home, like you said, how good the emotional stuff in this episode is and how it really comes to a really lovely head of Scrooge basically disowning everyone and refusing to call Webigail family and the reinforcement of like that Beakley works for him and just all this sort of stuff that comes, that builds up over the course of the episode and gets really wonderfully um literalized as like people shift back and forth as the ship this is the plane i should say shifts back and forth on the mountain peak it's just really really it's just really really good and there's still plenty of humor like the darkwing duck dvd that gets stuck on the credit sequence um launchpad saying that the crash doesn't really feel right so until he runs the plane into something (laughs) um it is really good. And so I think that, like you said, there's a real sense of season finale in this, but there's also a excellent sort of scattering of the heroes, basically, that allows Magica to do, carry out her final machinations in the two-part finale next week. Or this week, we should say. Yes. And so I really like that as sort of a dramatic sort of build of like, all right, we've scattered everyone and Scrooge thinks he's happiest now. And no, he's going to learn that he's not. But it's going to be really good to see that happen over the course of uh, the Shadow War, whatever they're billing it as, Mm -hmm. uh, for the finale. So I'm really very excited. But this was just, this was a really good cap to an arc of like three episodes for Dewey and for this particular type of story. Uh, what did you think about the revelation of what the Spear of Sling was? I thought that was uh, well played. Uh, I mean, it's very different tonally than what we've seen all season, but I think that was by choice. Um, and I think it's a more interesting answer for what could have gone wrong. You know, the fact that she just uh-huh. disappeared in space and easily could have been sucked into a parallel dimension through a wormhole or like lost in space and time. And like, they're obviously they could do any of that stuff with magic if they wanted to, but it lets them, if you know, for next season, if they want to center on Della, just be more like 
sci-fi and less fantasy, which I think is can be fun for them to play with. And uh, I thought that again, the like the the sequence and montage where they really show the 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 fallout, you know, and the, the that what happened and and from from Scrooge's perspective, but then also the kids voicing their anger worked really really well. And um, yeah, I thought that was a good I thought it was a good call, and it was I was very surprised by it. I don't know how much how well it fits up with some of the other things we've seen this season. I had to think about that, but I liked what we got. What did you think? I really liked it as well. Um, in part for the reasons that you mentioned that it wasn't some sort of fantastic fantasy fantastical sort of issue it was a science science fiction fantastical sort of issue which like you said is a departure for them and it opens up another avenue for them to sort of explore next season and while they've got that kind of a thing with gizmo duck to a certain extent here it's a much bigger thing like it's cosmic storm it's lots of spaceships and the fact that Scrooge was willing to basically bankrupt himself almost yeah to find out what happened to I can't remember her name. Della. Della, thank you, to find out what happened to Della. And so all of that I thought was really, really great. But I also appreciated the fact that Della's bullheadedness, which has been something that's been very consistently exploited and explained of like she was this master class adventurer nothing stood in her way that she would legitimately just get into this spaceship and blast off into space and be like i got this and then space is really fucking scary kate Mm -hmm. even if it's not in like science fiction or anything space is kind of scary and so i really liked how that played out and i liked the whole sort of sepia tone paper craft esque montage of stuff I thought worked really, really well. So the entire package of Crash of the Sun Chaser was really, really good. And oh, I really want the finale. Yeah. Though I gotta say, I was getting like Steven level feels from this. I don't mm-hmm. anticipate that from the finale because I no. feel like the finale is gonna be a lot more imperilment and then coming back together. And reassertion of, you know, how much they all love each other and Lena's family, too, and all of that. Like, I'm expecting a much more, I guess, kind of pat finale. I feel like that's kind of what has to happen. And uh, I kind of, because it's that finale, like, I, I, that's a little disappointing. I always would like them to do a few more episodes in this murkier space. Yeah. Um, But when you go right from this episode to your finale, that's what's gonna happen so uh we'll see what happens i i hope to be wrong but uh i'm sure it'll be fun i'm sure i'll enjoy yeah. it i'm sure it'll you know be a nice uh you know any any of that time with magica especially as voiced here by Catherine tate is gonna be terrific but um yeah i was surprised. We're finally gonna get a doctor who reference <laughs> i was surprised at the um the the how how sincere and uh fraught they were willing to go Mm-hmm. Um, how how honest they were with Dewey in this episode. Not Scrooge, but I wasn't surprised by Scrooge. But I I was glad that they pushed Dewey that far because that is what the scene needed, um, what the episode needed. So and what the season needed, I think, to get yeah. us to this point. I think so, so too. I think yeah. so too because there's been enough like sort of dodge type stuff with um the whole Ithaquack type stuff. So the decision to really kind of push that emotionally, I think, was really really smart. Yeah. Um, less smart, I think, is what we were seeing over on Making It this week, party time, because 
Guys, Noel had to remind me of this because I binged these so what, what, long ago. But, guys, cake is not a snack. Cake is not a Super Bowl snack. Cake is a dessert. If you're making a snack display, it should not have cake. And you shouldn't win because of your cake and your, your you know, the dot sprinkles thing. Um, though I do think that was the best of the, of the, the, the displays. But still, I mean, the point remains. Yeah, I was... I mean, it's all really creative, and it looked really good. The fellow who won did, like, a um, swimming mm-hmm. um, one, uh, where he had, like, themed sort of things, but with, like, pretzels swimming through a cake. And it's just like, I appreciated the fact that Nick and Amy were both just like, all right, cake is not a snack. <laughs> where are our snacks, everyone? We want, and it, it was it was amusing when Nick was just like, I would like some meat because that's what Nick Offerman's persona is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was like, yes, where are the sliced meats for this yeah. snack table display that you guys are supposed to be making? Because there aren't any. There's just, there's yeah. just cake. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. two sheet cakes, and that doesn't count. And, like, piles of candy don't count either. Yeah. So. And I appreciated that they were trying to, like, push them, but it was also just like, all right, clearly these folks have watched Bake Off, and they're just doing something from that they're doing with Bake Off, and it's, like, the, not working. These are this is, crafters. They are not yeah. They are not food technicians. They, right. Yeah. This is outside yeah. all of their wheelhouses. Right. Which is why, like, the Coliseum one, I appreciated because it, like, looked really well made from the food stuff. But it was also like, this is not a thing that you can eat. Mm-hmm. Which is what Nick pointed out. He was just like, you can't you can't eat this. You can't scoop anything out of this. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is not a snack table. <laughs> Why do none of you understand this? I Yeah, I think my favorite part of that whole challenge was the the stuff with Nick and Amy. Uh, the, yeah. the smack talk was great. but also, And the constant, like, okay, but where, but where are the meats, though, guys? Like, yeah. what is... Like, why is there no guac? Like, what yeah. is happening right now? Um, was great. And, and just the, um, d- I yes, I'm sure it's very much on brand and in character for Offerman. But I also yeah. totally believe that, that he's like, but like, he's it's like, guys, me and my, like, he's got, bro- he's got several brothers. I can absolutely imagine them all sitting around with a giant spread of meats and cheeses and very, like, not whatever other snacks to watch a game or something when they're growing up. And, like, the notion of just of a level of, of confusion and disdain at, but people, these are not snacks. What, yes. like... How do you not like? We didn't realize we needed to be specific in the brief that for it to be a snack, you can't require a fork. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, that was it, that was very entertaining. My <laughs> the 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 just offerman being like, okay, but I would like some salami now, please. Yes. Uh, is, or is there? Is where's the jerky? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't even like either of those things, but I'm. It's just like there's no guac. Yeah. Was well, like one of Amy's things. It was just like, yes, there's no guac. There, th- therefore, these are not snacks. These are not snacks. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Um, any thoughts on the backyard display? I really appreciated, like, um, I think that the right person went home. Uh, the interior designer went home. And I normally, I have really liked her stuff all season so far. All season being all three of the episodes that have been Yeah. And... But she just seems kind of in the weeds here a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I also thought Simon's point of like, yeah, these swings are great. Where the hell would you put them exactly? 
I really appreciate it as like an actual question to ask because a number of these other things, it was very reasonable to see where these would go in a backyard and that kind of a thing. So I really liked that aspect of it. Um, the movie theater screening seating area, I thought was just super cute and a really good sort of, I don't want to say course correction, but a way to play to the judges. Oh yeah, um, that, definitely a course correction. I don't know if that's what he was thinking, but it's yeah. what functionally happened. Right, because here's the thing, Kate, is I really liked his depressing part for- It was for great! It, his little abandoned highway terrarium was amazing. Like, it was so good. The story behind it was really good. Mm-hmm. It was beautifully executed. Mm-hmm. And while I understand what they were saying by, it's kind of depressing, and it looks to you suicidal- but to him, it's a very big moment that he and his significant other shared. Also, it looked so good. Yeah. It looked amazing. And I really appreciated that it captured a moment as opposed to just being this kind of terrarium-esque sort of yeah. thing. It was a very specific moment that he captured. And I think he's arguably like my favorite of everyone that exists, apart from like the felt artist who I think does really creative, fun things. But I was glad that he was just like, fine, you guys want bright and colorful and smaltzy directly. I will give you bright and colorful and smaltzy. I'm used to working with clients Mm -hmm. and was what that kind of felt like. And so I really appreciated that. But it was also really good and it looked really fun and entertaining and pleasant to be in. Like you could watch other movies apart from the home movies in that seating area. Yeah. And I also liked, uh, well, that's something actually is occurring to me. Like I might need to my sister to check this episode out because she's talked about wanting to screen stuff in the in their backyard um so this might be that'd be a a good way to do that yeah well because she wants to they have a pool and Mm -hmm. if she can if they can figure out a screen movie so she can be in her pool with a drink and watching a movie she'll be very happy she'll Um, never leave that pool ever she'll never leave that pool all summer um but uh so so i'll need to send that but um there was it was just also this uh awareness of i liked especially i felt like it was from amy but it could have been from somebody else um of just like no and these seats are actually comfortable i didn't expect that they would be but like you could actually sit in this for like an entire movie it was the etsy woman who's just like i didn't think this was gonna be comfortable and it really is (laughs) yeah which and, and and I also just really appreciated that awareness of no this can actually stay outside and it won't get messed up if there's weather which is which is yeah. what which is what Simon the Barney's guy pointed out. He was just like, "But you can just leave this outside." And the guy who made everything was just like, "Well, yeah, that's kind of the point." <laughs> yeah, so that's what you guys put in the brief. I do think that the tire, the swing thing, like if if it needed to be actually ex, like if they wanted to critique on the, that level of mm-hmm. okay, but most people wouldn't actually be able to execute it. Then they needed to include that in the brief, and they did not. Yeah. So that's that's, a, that's super fair and those swings turned out really gorgeous yeah um so i mean like i get what they're saying but then i think they needed to be more specific in their brief just like yeah. they needed to be more specific in the snacks brief to say no forks or else it's not a snack also yeah. some form of dip no one did any dip no dips <sighs> i don't even dips like dips the only dips for the people who didn't do any dip. There we are. And on that note, <laughs> let's move over to elementary. How to get ahead in Uncanny Valley of the Dolls. Speaking of dips, I was so entertained. Uh, I, our notes here, I, like at the 10 minute mark of how to get ahead, uh, Michael Cerveris, famed Broadway actor Michael Cerveris, shows up. 
uh, people will, TV fans will know him as the Observer from Fringe. Um, also, he has a bunch of Tonys and stuff. So he shows up in this episode as like a guy, and he's got this. He's he's bald. He shaves his head. The actor does. Um, and so he shows up in this in like this like very obvious wig. If you know what he looks like, it was such an obvious wig, which is why I was confused later in the episode. Uh, and I put in our notes. Oh, I really hope that there's like some plot point about this being an intentionally bad wig. Because, I mean, come on, why would you cast Michael Service and then give him hair? Uh, and it didn't, that did end up happening, which I really enjoyed. But then they say that it's a really good wig, even to the point that Sherlock didn't clock it, didn't notice it immediately. And I was like, oh, guys, you needed to do better, wig department, if you are, if Sherlock wasn't. Like, and then I, I don't know if maybe it's just because I'm familiar with the actor that it was so obvious to me. What, what do you, what do you think? Am I being too harsh in the wig department? Maybe a little bit. Um, I didn't like. Cl- I clocked it as being a toupee. Um, mm-hmm. pretty quickly as well. Um, so, but it also, f- I didn't recognize service at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I was also like sort of half watching it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't like. L- I didn't look and go. Oh, it's the jerk from the Good Wife. Is how <laughs> I know him. And, uh, so that didn't, like, factor into anything while I was watching it until, like, I read your note and just went, that's who that is. That's who that was. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, I do think you're being, like, a little harsh, but I also feel like that's a lot of, like, actor awareness coming into play as well. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's sort of where that is uh, with that. But It was fun. Yeah, no, it was fun. And it was also, like, a good way to sort of, like tip the hand a little bit of like here's the resolution for this Mm -hmm. pay attention type of thing so i really appreciated that um what did you think about uncanny valley of the dolls i thought that was fun and i particularly liked the ending i thought it was just such a fun (laughs) playful ending it's like (gasps) mark just just like being like dude i got six months i'm gonna just go with it we're gonna have some fun with her like normally i'd be all serious and everything but no i'm definitely sending the captain over (laughs) to get pranked (laughs) so i'm enjoying that I really enjoyed that too. I was just like, this is very good. I was I was a little creeped out by it a little bit. And then when he the doll was just like, I can kill Dr. Baines for you too, I just went, oh, This is such a good prank that Sherlock has done. Because she's like, wait, Sherlock's done an actual legitimately solid prank. It's like, um, of course I did this. Have you met yeah, me? And yeah. Which cause normally we don't get to see this more impish side of, of Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Normally he's just straight up being a dick to people. Um, so it was just like, there was a glee to mm-hmm. Miller's performance that I really enjoyed that I hope we get to see a little bit more of. Right. I mean, he's like, he, he does really great physicality stuff with how like Sherlock swings a little bit when he's like anxious or stuff, but this was like borderline gleeful. Like there, there are levels to the body swing that Miller mm-hmm. does. And this was just like exci- excited schoolboy type of stuff, barely mm-hmm. able to contain himself. Yeah. And I just went, oh, it's a shame Johnny Lee Miller doesn't have an Emmy for this. If this were only 20, 35 years in the past. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, if he was ever going to get a nomination, it was going to be for season three. Yeah. And it will yep. never happen now. Nope. Uh, it's okay. We only like our really pretentious and overly important, self-important shows for Emmy and nominations. H- and HBO vote blotted, 
block voted shows. Yes, that, that too. That too. Uh, let's move on to our last episode for our week in TV here. And that is Winona Earp, No Cure for Crazy. And I really liked this one. Um, you know, like, again, Megan uh, Follows, who's just... Megan. Megan. Megan, sorry. Megan Follows. Yeah. Um, who's just so terrific, uh, getting to really play some stuff. And I, I do gotta, like, they're, I think they're still in mourning, so they're off their game. But, guys, I mean... Obviously, there's other stuff going on here. She was like, everybody was being a bit too dense on the. She tried to kill her baby. It's like it's like she said something about a demon possessing, but that's clearly ridiculous. It's like, you know what show you're on? Come on, that's, that's, you're on a show where staircases to nowhere appear in the middle of a forest, and trees move and kill people. And you talk about murder trees all episode, like. Obviously, you should know better than this. So I, that was a little bit of an eye roller um, and groaner. But but the rest of this I really enjoyed down to, like, the just <laughs> woods bad <laughs> and uh, and everything else that we saw going on here. And, and I like the non-resolution at the end. I really am looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, I really like this episode as well. Um, Fellows finally getting stuff to play, I thought was much, I was really happy about because I've been very excited by her casting for this part Mm -hmm. um, because she's fabulous. She's terrific. And so finally letting letting the show let her do stuff um, was really rewarding. And she just, she hits levels and turns really quickly and really effortlessly, which is the other really important thing for this type of character. Um, that those turns happen really quickly. Um, so her whole sort of ability to lift the gun out and um, escape and all that sort of stuff works really, really well. Uh, so I liked that a whole lot. Um, Kate, I did not know that the gun required actual bullets. This was news to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured it, it fired demon eradicating energy of some kind. I did not know that it actually required bullets. And now I have a number of logistical questions about this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, namely, she kills a lot of things with that gun sometimes without having to seemingly reload. So I have questions. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if you look, there's some corner of the upper fandom that has like already like fact-checked this with the cannon. Yes. Yeah, uh, I have not done that research, yeah. but I like that actually. Um, I think that's a good and significant I and think important it's a really nerfing. Good detail. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the the most of the time when we see her going after baddies, she's yeah. not shooting all over the place. Usually, right. like this is it's true. one or two. Yeah. That revenants that she's taking out at a time, unless it's like this big fight scene. In which case, we have—I can't remember a time when we've st- seen her stop. She to shoots like she shoots like five or six people in like the previous episode. So yeah. and I don't remember her reloading in that episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, so mm-hmm, we'll see. But the notion of there—I mean, it, it makes sense to me. Yes. Um, and and the fact that it's the gun. Now we'll see if it's the gun and very special bullets they need to like yeah. do something to as well. But uh, the notion that it's the gun imbues the bullet with whatever, yes. I think makes a lot of sense, especially the way that we see it light up and all mm-hmm. of everything, the barrel of the gun. Um, but that is just, I think, a, a way better call and a good point of tension. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. The fact that I thought it was very interesting that. Uh, that the, the mom still had, was it Michelle is the character's name? Yeah. 
um, still had the gun, hadn't, like, given it back because of the air, you know, because she understands the curse and everything. Because um, she shouldn't be able to use it, but she was brandishing it like she would be able to. So that is yeah. interesting. And I don't think, from what we've seen of her so far, that she's the kind of character who would do that Without incorrectly. Something. Yeah. Right. Like, she seems like she knows her stuff, so she knows something we don't. And I look yeah. forward to, to learning about that. I liked the new <laughs> love interest that's introduced here. Um, I liked the, the murder trees that I'm still not resolved. Um, I'm very concerned for Doc, and I think they handled that pretty well. Um, and we'll see what happens next. I mean, if Murder Trees continues without, like, some sort of Macbeth reference from someone, mm-hmm. I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now it's nice to know who the, the guy licking the potato is in the trailer, <laughs> which is obviously this guy. So I'm guessing we get that scene next week. But, like, mm-hmm. the, the 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 end of the episode with Jolene and, like, she made cupcakes and shoved it in her face. She's like, this is the freaking best. Like, what a great way to end that episode. Oh. It's super fun. And, yeah, I look forward to, like, it, it sounds like it's like a Zeppo kind of episode uh, or a Poochie mm-hmm. episode maybe is a better way to think of it. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Or, like, that X-Files episode from this past year where there's a Brian Husky was in the X-Files the whole time. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what they do with it. But, yeah, I thought it was a much better episode than we've been getting mm-hmm. and yes. if they steer into the immediate family stuff i think they will do better i think so too i think so too so what wins your week in tv uh queen sugar was really really good this week um yeah. with charlie Charlie's sort of, speech it was so good and yeah. uh i really like how they're playing up local tensions a lot more and the stuff they're doing with micah so i'm I'm really digging what they're doing and what I think is hope. I think the tail end of the season, I think. Um, yeah. But I think it's DuckTales that wins my week in TV this week. Uh, what about you? Um, I will split it with Queen Sugar since you gave okay. it to DuckTales. And if you had given it to Queen Sugar, I, Queen Sugar, I would have given it to DuckTales. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that's what stood with me the most. I also really liked the Insecure premiere. I thought that was really great. Um, but I have a feeling I will have other episodes that will I'll be able to spotlight and secure with. So that's what I will do uh, for my, my pick of the week. Um, and now we'll take a break, listen to a trailer, and come back with our deep dive on season two of Claws. I want a nail salon. I am not a criminal. We don't just come here for our many petties. is the statement piece to the outfit. We ferocious. Claws is the summer's biggest drama. I just want to live the dream and take care of my girls my way. Don't miss the show everyone is raving about. You got a fan. We going viral, y'all. Yeah! Just like my sex tape. Is she for real? Sometimes I can't too. Jumping in my claws, so you better step back. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick, and it is time for our season two spotlight of TNT's Claws. Um, we were talking about... <laughs> 
<laughs> Listeners, Noel just did a thing. It was funny. Um, uh, anyways, uh, we started out the season covering it every week, but kind of got away from it. And so we wanted to dive back in and see how we felt about this finale and just how the whole season came together, what we're anticipating and looking forward to, and maybe mm, a little leery of for season three. So let's start, Noel, with the finale. What did you think of, you know, the big fake day <laughs> breezy is the name of the finale um yeah but how, how do they how do they stick the landing i generally like the finale i think there's um some elements that for me come a little out of not pro- not reasonably out of nowhere but like a little enough out of nowhere particularly with like the dixie mafia trying to play roller against clay um it feels like a little convenient to reposition roller very firmly in Desna's corner. Um, and that was a little frustrating, um, since especially since the Dixie Machia folks haven't been around that long either. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had been a little bit more present throughout the season and this was like a little more seed planning for a longer period of time, I might have been a little more on board. Uh, but that kind of stuff aside, I thought... That, the use of Virginia's narration, I thought was really good. Um, another willingness to do something stylistically different, which I really appreciated uh, from the show. They're always willing to put, push their aesthetics on multiple levels in different ways. And I really liked that. I really liked that aspect of it. Um, but I was a little disappointed. Like the, we didn't get more of like the wedding. We didn't like it. Didn't really see Dean Walker down the aisle, which was like the whole reconciliation thing that happens until death. And then it's just like, nope, we're just going to go to the vows. And I just went, but you set the other thing up, and we didn't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was fine. Um, it all in all, I feel like the it felt like the cap to everything that they've done this season, which is what a finale should be. But it also really, for me, called attention to the fact that both seasons one and two, and we can discuss this when we get to the season as a whole, really felt like this should have just been all one season as opposed to two separate seasons. Mm -hmm. And that gave me like weird sort of structural pauses that I was grappling with as everything wound up. Um, I'm worried about Dean having killed a person um but we'll see how that goes i guess um how did you feel about it um my number one takeaway Mm -hmm. is if they kill virginia oh yeah and they they don't they didn't kill bryce i'm gonna be pissed yeah i don't care about bryce I mean, I do a little bit, but not very much, comparatively. And yeah. I don't really care about Virginia that much, but I care about people who do care about her. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I, what she means to the show, and even just, like, the optics of of killing off Virginia when she hasn't even had the chance to do much of anything on the yeah. show, but screw up all season one and be kind of in- irritating and then be adorable with Dean this season. That's pretty much all. She's been supportive and adorable. Um, yeah. and, but she hasn't, I don't feel like I know her any better. I like the little no. hint of a, a backstory we got with her talking about when she was little and there was a problem, something was wrong. Her mom would give her Cheetos. And mm-hmm. so, w- which we found out like after we'd seen her like crunching away on, on Flamin' Hot Cheetos, like in stressful situations. So that was just such a great little bit of character development and backstory that just like clicked other things into place. Um, but 
Yeah, I'm gonna be pissed if that happens. And and they had her get like shot in. It looked like the head, right? Yeah, she got like a what's very clearly sort of a head wound yeah. of some kind. Um, Maybe it's a graze, but like. Yeah, that's going to be a problem for me. Um, the rest of the episode, I thought, worked pretty well. I liked the um, the handling of some of the different reveals. I thought the plan from Desna made sense and really worked. Uh, I, I, I bought the answer of, like, she set them up with the cops, and now, and that, like, kind of being like, everything's okay now. Yes, they, they shortcut things, and it's not all believable, but that's what this show is, so... Yes. I don't mind that. As long as they don't then come back later and be like, well, obviously it was too easy, guys, right? It's like, you don't get to do that. <laughs> when your no. whole show is a stylized, you don't get to punish people. Or not punish, but, like, try to make people feel stupid for buying into your style. That, that doesn't make yes. sense. So hopefully they won't do that. Um, but... I thought it was a good balance of things at the end here uh, of the season. I really liked the twist with Dean. Uh, I thought that worked really well. And I also really liked the, at the end. He's like, uh, that would be very stupid. And I'm not very stupid. So I'm not going to do and that. he's not. He's, I'm the most competent person here. Yeah. Is you guys keep making really accurate. bad life yeah. choices. And I'm the only one who has their stuff together. So <laughs> no. <laughs> I imagine he, you know, he, he's going to tell Virginia uh, or he's, you know, I, I imagine that will become a point of tension and then he will in next season, assuming she doesn't die. Um, yes. but, uh, yeah, that, that really, that really worked. I thought, I thought the performances of Desna, but also Nisi Nash were very good. And, um, the, the surprise with Ruval's mother standing. I loved, I loved that reaction. It's the, so good. The, the like, what? I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised. But I still am. <laughs> it, it really reminded me of like um, Pretty Little Liars, where mm-hmm. it's like, bitch can see. And it's just like, this is great. <laughs> Pretty Little Liar fans, you will appreciate that. But okay. no one else. No will. one else. <laughs> no one else. That's okay. Um, the, the, the different um, things. Yeah, I agree that the stuff with the Roller and Clay came out of nowhere and was too, like, hurried to yes. really work. Um. Yeah, and uh, I I did buy the stuff with Roller's not baby mama. I thought that mm-hmm. part actually I bought the the character motivations and that really came together for me. But the stuff with his uh, sudden turn with Clay didn't make sense. I really liked the return of of Aunt Mommy uh for like spectral yes. aunt mommy or whatever i don't know <laughs> um but that was a really nice and she's just always great so whenever i don't remember the name of Jawanda's. that actress. Jawanda Jawanda yeah the I name that she she's terrific so it was yeah, great to see her pop back her up and um what else Del Dickey Yes 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 Del Dickey um but the the stuff with uh, you know i like i also was totally fine with them just backburnering uh, Polly's stuff for this episode and then bringing it back at the end. That's okay. It didn't, it didn't belong in this episode. So that, that works for me. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was a satisfying and good finale. Um, and I think this season has had some really terrific arcs and moments and materials and episodes. And then also just some stuff that I just am still really upset about. Like, when you just rape someone and that magically heals them and also repairs your relationship with them, um, which the show still doesn't understand is what they showed. Um, yeah. yeah. 
but uh, the the stuff that did work, I thought worked like gangbusters. And um, the the highlights for me this season remain the abortion subplot um, from Cracker Casserole, the musical number <laughs> in the middle of uh, of a meeting. It worked great. And then there's some other stuff that I think. I'm surprised they didn't do better, and I look forward to what they maybe they'll do next season. And for me, Polly is a big part of that. I thought the stuff that they gave Carrie Preston was good, but I think that they can do better. So we'll see. Right, and I think that you're you're correct. Like the Polly stuff until death, which we didn't talk about, um, which is a big Lillian centered episode where we find out. Lillian's been dead for a number of years, and when Polly sees Lillian, it's an imagined version, and we do a number of like, um, whatchamacallit, uh, double doubling, mm-hmm. um, that looks and plays fine, um, and Carrie Preston does a really good job of differentiating the two, but it's also really easy since they're starkly different. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like a little ballet to, um, Cindy Lauper, um, true is, colors. Yeah. True colors is like really delightful, but at the same time, it's like, where's this happening exactly? And, um, but it's also just one of those instances of the show willing to take swings. And I really appreciate that about the show, even when their swings don't make any sense sometimes, i.e. healing rape. Um, and the healing rape issue is now even, like, weirder still to me because of the fact that by having Hank just go nuts for some inexplicable reason, that I feel like we didn't know about this, about mm-hmm. him at all in any way, shape, or form. I mean, he just kind of went a little, he went a little, like, stalkery in a way that I don't really feel like has been established at any point. Yeah, they, they uh, showed him, like, hanging out outside of the hospital room in that previous yeah. episode, but that was it. yeah. And so this was just like a little, this was a, this was a, this was a very quick escalation that I didn't really understand, but it's also the perfect way to drive them together without doing healing rape. Mm -hmm. Um, Like as ridiculous as it is, it still fits within the show's milieu without being tasteless. Yeah. Um, And that solves their whole issue of trying to get, um, um Bryce and Jen Jen back together without having to do again a rape and that would have solved all of that even if it's just really weird it would have also yeah it it, it would it just would have been really weird but it would have worked I think within the context of everything and also would have just it would have made for me anyway the whole death by penguin pen not penguin pen flamingo pen yeah um better in some ways and that this entire thing is basically tainted by fruit of the poisonous tree mm-hmm. and so everything that's happening is just kind of type is how i kind of feel about it um mm-hmm. so it, it makes me frustrated but like you said that they do a number of things really well like the um like the abortion discussion in cracker casserole uh, the musical number um, during the uh, AA meeting. Um, basically, anything involving Judy Reyes this this season was <sighs> that Quiet Ann episode. Yeah, no, the Quiet Ann episode, which is the episode with the musical sequence in it. Mm-hmm. But that entire episode is just phenomenal, and it really demonstrates a lot of really good things uh, that the show's willing to like 
spread its wings out to its supporting bench a lot. I mean, even apart from like the poly stuff, it's just like giving an entire episode to Quietana is just phenomenal and helps to a it helped narratively establish a lot of the stuff that was going on with like the police and everything. But B, it was also just a really moving, really good episode that I think really demonstrated the show's ability to balance a lot of different tones and a lot of different aesthetic choices really well without toppling over in anything. So I think that episode, and I forget which episode that is. Um, let me see. It's Scream. I think it's Scream. Scream, yeah. Yeah, it's Scream, um, which is episode four, which is like, Right out, basically right after uh, Cracker Casserole, which was episode two. Um, it's just, it's really good, and it's sad that it's sort of like a downhill slide a little bit after that narratively. And but oh, the character stuff, I think, continues to be generally really solid, apart from Virginia. But I feel like based on the stuff that we get with Polly, based on the stuff that we get with Quiet Anne, um, that it's just like this. Season three is like the season of Virginia. <laughs> um, and I really want that. I want to see that because the way that the show provides a pivot into by having her have a casino, by having her cut out um, the Hussers out of business entirely, um, which restores Uncle Daddy as sort of a big bad, but also repositions a number of other things and gives them a new venue to play with in with the casino, which I'm very excited about mm-hmm. um, that there's a lot of really good potential for season three, provided they don't kill Virginia and just ruin all of it somehow. Yeah. Well, I think for me also that, that if Virginia were to die or get seriously have anything other than like, Oh, it's a good thing that they just barely missed me, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. that would put in, in, I mean, I think irreparable harm and break with mm-hmm. with Desna and Dean, and yes. I need that to not be there. Absolutely. Um, and I think they've done such a great job in this season of establishing Virginia and Dean's relationship, and like the like the so how supportive it is, how honest it is, how how genuine and authentic and deep it is. That I like. I don't think that that's something that desna could come back from in her relationship with dean but i don't trust that the show wouldn't do that you know <laughs> so um i really I, just, I really hope that doesn't stick i mean come they, the number of people that they've killed and then not killed it, yes you know they've had people get better real quick from things that they definitely should have been dead from so hopefully that will be roller and your boat explosion <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly so we'll see what happens with that um did you have any other favorite moments or or guest performances? Um, I we didn't really discuss Double Dutch, which is episode six, um, mm-hmm. which is Desna tries to hunt down her old foster mother. Yeah. Um, I really liked that episode overall. Uh, the whole sort of going back to your roots, but also that the reaffirm the reaffirmation of sort of the show's ethos is that Desna does this by herself mm-hmm. because of her own like force of will. Um, and that Wallace telling her that all that shit I told you was just bullshit. Like you, you, that was just a way for you to survive. And like, Desna has been living by that mm-hmm. and has been continuing. And now I think her ability to <clears throat> take that and also has been like dark and tightened. And that's 
helps to sort of explain a number of the turns that she's willing to make going forward here, even if a number of the things also involve the fact that Ruval is just like, I'm going to take you to the beach where nobody knows about. And it's just like, motherfuckers are going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. That's what that, that is. Speaking of creepy rich guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take you to a beach that no one knows about is a definite creepy rich guy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Never, never go to a second location with a creepy rich guy. Mm-hmm. It might not um, be a literal red flag yeah. like we yeah. saw in Wrecked, but it's <laughs> might as well be. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, Good stuff. So I really liked uh, that little kind of tour that they went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was probably like the one other big thing. I'm trying to think about guest stars, uh, but no one's like really coming to mind. Um, but what about you? What moments have we touched on? And you may have a guest star in mind that I've just totally forgot. Well, we, I mean, it's not a guest star, but we haven't really talked about Jimmy Jean-Louis, who plays uh, Gregory Rival. I mean, mm-hmm. he's really good, I think. Yes, and he is. Just because he, he both completely sells the romance and the, mm-hmm. the like, just romance novel love interest yes. ideal just so beautifully. And um, then when he needs that, that threat and that yes. violence uh, and that, that just, he completely sells that too. So I thought he was terrific. Um, I also, uh, I mean, Cheryl, Cheryl Lee Ralph, you know, did you recognize her? I barely recognized her. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still not my favorite character. She's played. That is still a Felicia. I did not recognize that that was the same person at all. No, neither did I. Yeah. Cause she, I mean, I, justice for one mississippi but um but she was super fun and having you know like the promise of her being back for revenge i think is uh very promising um, <laughs> something that, that that character will be good for i ended up uh i was you know uncertain about uh about zlata but i think she ended up working overall and i think a big part of that was that pivot we got you know halfway through the season that she was working with Raval the whole time um but the yeah the performance from franca potente was really terrific and uh as as the the when when we got to see the different um shades just kind of fall from or, or the 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 illusions fall away from desna that i thought made that work a lot better and I, I really could buy that a lot more. So those are the, the I guess, supporting players, not not uh, guest players, that uh, really stood out to me this season. Yeah, I think you're correct. Like, they had a really good bench of villains this season that, no, no disrespect to, like, Dean Norris, because he's still having a great deal of fun with Uncle Daddy, which I really appreciate. But he's um, not the villain. He's not the villain. And he wouldn't be interesting. He would need to be dead too soon if they wanted... They don't want to kill yeah. him off as soon as they would have to if he was going to actually get scary and be the villain. Right, exactly. Which is why, like, the Dixie Mafia sort of resurfaced because they don't want to get rid of... Actually get rid of Uncle Daddy. They want yeah. to get rid of whoever the Dixie Mafia guy who comes in. Yeah. Along with um, Michael Emerson's deceased hippie mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, son. Oh, so great. <laughs> Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kept waiting for like a ghost show. 
And I hey, really wanted one. <laughs> that, 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 could, that could still happen. Season three, man, that could still happen. Yeah, no, that could still happen. But yeah, so a whole good batch of villains, I think, this week made a big difference. Yeah. Um, this week, this season made a big difference. Yeah. And so we'll see what they have in store for us for season three. Are you going to watch season three? I will be watching season three. Having a few weeks off after the the rape episode really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see if my opinion changes on that, but for right now I'm planning to watch season three. Um, and I, I was much more on board with the way the season ended than I yeah. anticipated that I would be when it became clear that's where they were headed. So, uh, that, yeah, I, I, I was expecting to be frustrated with why does every story have to be someone becoming a villain? Um, right. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that they, th- them pivoting it as, like, she's not, I, th- I mean, maybe it's just because I want to believe this, but I don't see this as a Walter White situation. I see this as she still doesn't want to kill anybody. I don't know that she would. Um, she kills um, Ruval, but that's that was just, that was self-defense. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and yes, she could have stopped and not pushed him out the window, but I think that is something that is easy to say when you are not the person in the room. So for me, yeah. that w- that still counts as self-defense because he is way stronger than she is and he could regain power in that mo in that, in that like s- sequence of events instantly. So yeah, you make sure that guy is dead. Yep. Um, and, and, and the, just the, you know, like that her finding a non-lethal solution that then she's unable to use, I think sp- speaks a lot to the character we've known this thus far and gives me more optimism about how they're going to handle that part of the show moving forward. I feel like they're going to take more nuance and consideration and more outside of the box thinking with their I'm sure inevitable move of her toward darker and darker and darker, you know, more violent, mm-hmm. more willing to hurt people. Um, but I th- feel like we're, there was enough awareness that I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with what we, at least what we got. How about you? Yeah, I'm in the same boat of like, I'm very eager for season three in part because of a lot of the moves that they make within this finale. Um, and so I'm hoping that they sort of heard a number of the critiques Mm-hmm. And will provided there were other critiques other than us, um, <laughs> yeah. Because again, I know very few people who are watching the show. Um, Seriously, my dad. I watch the show. My dad watches wait, the show. What? Yeah, Your dad I, does. My dad. Yeah, yeah. I know every week. And you know what was really entertaining for me and really promising is that he was really impressed by Carrie Preston. Yeah, he's like that's sure. amazing. Like the she's really really good playing those twins like that. I was like. Oh, Dad, you haven't seen. It's like, well, obviously the gold standard is, Mus- is Maslani, and he was like, "What?" I'm like Tatiana Maslani from Orphan Black. I was like, "Oh, that's right, you haven't seen it." Whereas yeah, I'm just I like, to "See it? You haven't seen her in The Good Wife yet, Dad." <laughs> Dad Kolzak, Kolzak, yeah. <laughs> Dad Kolzak. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so I that that was like my biggest takeaway from our conversation about like the at the end of the mm-hmm. season was like. Oh, you're gonna because he likes genre stuff. He likes sci-fi, like mm-hmm. you know, nerd stuff. So it's like, oh, you're gonna like Orphan Black. And if you <laughs> think Carrie Preston is good playing with herself, oh, just wait till you see the like the the top shelf performance yeah, top with shelf yourself. Stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, sorry, but yeah, but you don't know other people watching this show. There are a handful. 
Just, yeah. you know, enough to get it renewed, which is really all I care about, yeah. so. If only the same people were watching Good Behavior. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. <laughs> well, on that depressing note, let's wrap up our discussion here. Yeah. A few show notes. Oh, you should all watch Claws if you're still listening to this and you don't watch Claws. I'm very confused, but awesome. Thank you for listening. Go watch Claws. Yeah. Um, a few show notes. You can find a post of this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there, and you can find us in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. Uh, we'd appreciate ratings and reviews both there and also over at Stitcher. Um, and of course, we're both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you for a great week, Kate. Yeah, thank you. It's been a lovely conversation, a lovely discussion. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a short episode for us. Yeah. For us. Oh. Like, I like how it's a normal episode for any other podcast. But, yeah. uh, but it's Man, good. I can't wait for the fall TV season to not start. <laughs> <laughs> I started putting the show list in, listeners, uh, to our notes thing. And so I'm, I'm sure, Noel, you got like a million emails as I was adding. Oh, I don't updating. have notifications set up for this because otherwise I would probably go insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much TV coming back so soon, which is why we'll be, we will be doing our, our fall TV preview fairly, for, fairly shortly here. We'll also be doing our Make You Watch a Thon again to plug that watch the leftovers and mm-hmm. watch clone wars if you want to watch along with us how's it going so far did you start yet or not yet i haven't started yet i think i'm gonna start uh this weekend yeah I'm, i I've, I've got a, a big saturday of clone wars set aside i'm gonna write postcards um uh, to mm-hmm. encourage people to go vote and i'm gonna watch clone wars and it's gonna be awesome <laughs> it's gonna be awesome until you get to the general krell four-parter and then you're gonna be like life has no meaning yeah but it does if you vote. I don't know. I'm just. I, I does, don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not good at bits. I'm not good at. This is why I don't have a comedy podcast. Um, on that note, thank you, Noel. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.